Oh, I'm so glad you are with us for some time to lean into deep things together. This is season two, episode three of the We Are Wayfarers podcast, and I'm so grateful that we get to introduce you to some dear friends, friends who have walked alongside us in our journey, who have been beautiful conduits of grace and encouragement and powerful purpose in our shared calling. And as I think about what this episode will include, my heart is just full of compassion for you listeners. There are some very heavy moments, moments of pain and raw heartache, but what we hope you see is how the heartache and the hope hold hands, how one strengthens the other, how faith and hope and love can coexist with sorrow and pain and longing all in surrender to the God who holds it all and will fulfill every promise. And so today we talk with fellow wayfarers, Megan and Shane White. We're so glad you're joining us now. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. We're so grateful that you're tuning in, so grateful that you're joining us, and we are jumping into episode three, and we have some more special guests with us. We have the Whites, and so I know if you've been tuning in at all, the last episode, we kind of leaned into truth tellers and grace givers and how much it matters that we have people in our circle. It matters who we are journeying with, who we are wayfaring with, and how God uses those people to speak and direct and encourage and spur us on. And so we have invited a couple brilliant examples of those in our life. And so uh, we're pretty pumped about that. Yeah. Sitting with us is uh, Shane and Megan White, uh, two people who are very dear to us, just people who our hearts just, I think, have been so encouraged and so... Um, our time together has just been special um, and God ordained and just infused with his spirit and his word. And so we are excited um, to talk with them um, today just about pilgrimage and wayfaring our, our homeward bound hearts uh, um, just to talk about heaven with. And maybe even get into some, con- I don't know, conspiracy theories or hot takes. <laughs> or just, I mean, yeah, I don't know. No, we probably shouldn't do that. No. We'll save it for another time. It is fun, but um, we've spent hours and hours in conversation with these two precious people, and um, we are always leaving encouraged and emboldened and and so passionate about the work that God has joined our hearts in partnership together with. Um, So just a small disclaimer, we love these people. Um, Feels pretty big. And though we will try to stay on track today, um, we'd appreciate any grace you give us and tangents that we may run on. Why are you looking at me? (laughs) That's a story of my life. Okay, so this is this is Megan. Hi. <laughs> and this is Shane. Hello. <laughs> Do you two want to tell um, these amazing podcast listeners just a little about yourselves, about your family? <clears throat> well, to start with, the love and the, the friendship is very mutual. And I'm like a little emotional listening to you talk about it because I'm like, yes, that is it. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've been married for 16 years. Um, got married very young, 21 and 19, high school sweethearts, the whole deal that everyone says is going to fail, but we have flourished and our marriage is super fun and crazy. We've lived everywhere. We've moved a lot and, uh, 
we have two kids and they're also nuts because they're ours. <laughs> and so they're nuts. And, uh, but I mean, our life is a testament of what it looks like to live in surrender to God's call. And we just run after that as hard as we can and we do it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that. Um, and when thinking about how to build a base for people to like know your hearts and hear about what God is doing in you, um, my mind just goes back to where our lives really intersected in a really powerful way. But we weren't strangers at mm-hmm. all at that point. Um, <clears throat> ben and Shane worked together yeah, at we, a local church. Yeah, we got to serve on staff together. Uh, we weren't on the same team, but it allowed us to, our, uh, there's a lot of overlap, right? And oh, yeah. I think we, we learned, even though we weren't, working every day side by side, we learned pretty quickly that we were cut from the same cloth. And I think God wove things together in that season that even in the seasons to come, Mm -hmm. that friendship could go way deeper, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. It was that uh, we did a book study that got randomly paired together. So we had known each other, but randomly paired together in this group and this group would talk and then everyone would leave and me and Ben would talk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it just became a thing. after the meeting. Yeah. yeah. And it just became And not all of those meetings after a meeting are bad, right? Like no. this is a good example right. of the good ones, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was all born out of a passion for the gospel, like a desire to live differently than uh, maybe the, this maybe sound negative, but maybe the corporate church machine was dictating a minister to live. We just wanted to break that mold and um, live a little more passionately and intentionally than maybe we were being uh, led to at the time. And so that just bore these really deep conversations about ministry and life and led to a real relationship. I mean, yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we kind of knew each other's families. Mm-hmm. We knew each other. We'd see each other at like Christmas parties and right. like <laughs> random get togethers. Um, but kind of from a, a distance of yeah. it, um, but where God kind of galvanized our relationship was in a much different setting and mm-hmm. it was a much more desperate place. Um, and Megan, you entered back into our story in a very specific way. Do you want to talk a little bit yeah. about that story? Well, it, the season in which that all took place, we had been going through a lot of transition ourselves. And obviously you guys were walking through something. And when you all came to Cincinnati, we were like, look, this is an opportunity. Because we couldn't really do a lot from that distance. We had moved um, and we wanted to love on you, but we didn't know how. And you coming to Cincinnati felt like the opportunity we needed to step into. And so it was a simple, hey, if you need our house for something, because we're about 20 minutes down the road, if the kids need a crash landing place, that's, you know, uh, if family needs whatever. And um, I just like, randomly wanted to be like if you need photos like if you want family photos and in my head I had imagined this vision of family photos in the hospital to document your story and then at a future date family photos in a park to mirror that Um, and what I ended up doing was that first time with you and then Kala's celebration of her rescue was kind of that mirror that I didn't know we were going to have. You know what I mean? Um, and it was just that that part of what that looked like for me on my side as a photographer was kind of really impactful. But anyway, 
when I had offered that, you know, he had sent Ben a message, hey, if you need something or if there's any way Megan can take some photos that you would, you know, and I think you guys were kind of, it was, it was just, you were in the unknown and it was kind of a, thanks for the offer. We'll let you know. And, uh, I don't know, a month went by maybe. And then you had sent a message that maybe, maybe Megan can come take some pictures. And I'll be honest, um, I had no idea where things were with your family. Um, we were kind of in the middle of a move and some other things, and I was just a little bit more on that distracted side. And so even planning to come to see you guys um, was more casual, if that makes sense, if that's the right word. Um, I actually had a quote that when I was um, kind of processing through things post spending my time with you, this quote had come up and I, I don't know where I got it, but it was reality would shatter my optimism. But I would realize that my positivity was only a cheap substitute for true hope anyway. And for me, that was just so true and so, so real. So I was very unaware of what I was coming to the hospital to do. Um, I was more nervous and uncertain about how to park in the hospital parking garage than the actual experience with you guys that's just kind of how not really connected and I I feel like that honestly it was such a gift um, because it it kept me out of my own way I didn't have the time to overthink and get concerned and worked up and worried and unsure and I'm um, very much in my head most of the time anyway and I didn't have the chance to do that um, and so I feel like it was really a gift to be fully present with you. And so I get to, you know, I came to the hospital to, to just kind of, in what I thought, you know, document this, this short season of your lives and um, just to be able to gift you with some photos to remember this part of your story and whatever. Um, and I should have known when I got there and I got to the floor and I told them who I was there to see, <clears throat> I could see excitement, like joy, and then immediate heartache on the staff, on their faces, um, because they knew exactly why I was there. I didn't yet, but they did. And um, they knew I was there to see Kala, and that brought them happiness because Kala brought them happiness. Um, and that was kind of a cool thing to experience with you, like how much the hospital staff just loved your family from the minute I walked in the door. Like, oh, okay, you know. And uh, um, I came in, um, spent that first day, just photographing family moments, um, prayers, aunts and uncles and grandparents, everyone gathered around. And I got to photograph these pure, vulnerable moments of worship and praise. Um, and just something I, like I said, I didn't anticipate. And I, I'm so thankful that because I, I think I would have, I wouldn't have been able to really experience it. Um, in a way that I did. And I don't think I would have been able to tell the story the way that I did. Um, and so, you know, as that evening wore on, um, I watched the hospital staff kind of get you guys ready for the night. Um, watched them again, you know, loving you guys so well. And, um, I didn't really understand even at that point, the gravity of what I was documenting. Um, sorry. 
<laughs> um, I didn't realize that this was going to be the last night. This emotion isn't sadness. It was, it's such hope and joy of what I got to be a part of. And I just want to clarify that. And that there is grief. But the expectant wonder that I was there to see was, was bigger. And so, anyway, you know, I, I had the sacred privilege to document this night, this, this, this time of tucking your daughter into bed and of crawling in next to her and having that precious time. And again, though, even in that moment, I really wasn't seeing or not really seeing, but aware of what was going to unfold over the next, the next 24 hours. And, um, I've just, the more I've reflected back on that, the more thankful I am just that I got to do that, that I was the one to be there for it, but that there was protection in my being naive to it, I think, um, because I was a, I put on my photographer hat and I told this story instead of feeling to the point that I couldn't tell, if that makes sense. And I'm just so thankful for that because what a gift it was to be there to, to document that and to tell that story, to help tell that story. Um, so Anyway, you know, I, the next morning I came back, um, and, uh, I started watching your family come in and I were watching them spend time with Calla and, um, Ben, your mom rubbing her feet and, uh, just being so like, just the levity of that moment and the sweetness in that and your dad loving, Crystal loving on her and just, not, just, just these sweet, sweet things that I was just so blessed to see that. Um, but I was realizing, you know, in that moment, how everyone was spending such time with Kala, whereas the day before they had kind of been more like, what do you guys need? You know, Ben, Crystal, what do you need? How can we serve you? What do you need in this moment? And I was realizing, like, this is different. And I was seeing them hug her and kiss her and say, we'll see you someday soon. And having that, like, oh, this is the responsibility I'm carrying right now. You know, this is the, this is the, the privilege I have is to take these photos of this family on this side of heaven and to document the story of this incredible, brave little girl as you guys were readying yourselves to walk her back home. Um, it was photographing such pain, but also such joy and such love. And it was an experience that changed literally everything about my life, about our lives, about our family, about, um, my business, which is like such a minor thing in this, but the way I tell stories as a photographer, the way I do everything as a parent, the way mm -hmm. I help minister to my family as a wife and a mother, um, to our friends, um, just these moments that I 
was was trying to so I desperately wanted to be able to like give you guys memories which you don't need me to have those memories but I wanted to be able to give you something tangible and it was kind of amazing and I've said this before any of us would give anything to never have had that story written but to have been there to witness what I what I was there to do was like such a ministry to me and such a gift and such an a powerful incredible thing um of course I would trade that if I you know but I'm just so thankful that you guys trusted me um when the hospital staff came in you know and family had left and it was you three um the doctors like the nurses everyone in the room knew what we were, what you guys, you know, what you were about to walk into. And, um, sorry. They, um, they had all fought so hard for you guys. Um, you guys had all fought so hard. And I think it was, I mean, what an experience to watch these people who you don't know their backgrounds. I don't, you know, we don't know anything about them. I don't. I don't know who knows Jesus, who has maybe heard his name, like I, what, where, where they are in their lives, but to come into your room and their heartbreak because they knew what we, like what you had to do. You, they knew what you were faced with there. And, um, they were hugging you. They were crying with you. They were somewhere praying with you, praying for you. Um, the one nurse in particular, um, his name is Kevin mm-hmm. was, I don't know where he was, you know, spiritually, but he's sat on a chair and prayed the whole time. And I just thought, what an incredible story that she has like written here. God has used her to tell in this hospital with these people. Cause I, I obviously have never done this and I don't ever anticipate that again, but I would bet they've, I've, they've never done that before. I would bet that the hospital staff has never experienced that before. Um, and it was just such a, powerful um for me such a realization of what this amazing girl's love for Jesus is doing in this moment right and like it just it changed so much about how I how I love Jesus if that makes sense um it was the hardest most beautiful thing um you guys as her parents were in a constant place of worship and praying um and it was something very tangible you know that room was so raw um it was I came home and I was telling him trying to like explain and I I had no words and he had word he had said so well he's like it the room was stripped completely bare of everything and all that was in the room was the presence of Jesus. And that was that moment. I think there was such a powerful physical weight in the room that I felt like there was a, a tangible presence of the spirit in the room. And I was, I was watching you two carry her home and hand her back to her creator and to do it with hearts that are just shattered, but with excitement for her. Um, with joy that she's rescued and she's whole. And so in that moment, you know, the, 
I, I'm, I was tasked with the site. I didn't know when to go. I didn't know if I had gone stayed too long. Um, I obviously didn't want to be a part of something that I had no place being a part of. Um, I wanted to make sure that I allowed you guys the time, but also I didn't want to shortchange what I wanted to, what God was going to use me for in this, not like had nothing to do with me, but how he was going to use this, this photography in this. And when we've said before, like, I don't think either of us knew at all what we were asking of you. Mm. We did not think about, um, what that time would include. Um, and so, um, but you just have a way of, you just kind of seamlessly and gently were in the room that it didn't feel at all like something we had to manage at all. Like it was, it, it was freeing for us to just be in the moment and yeah. never think about anything outside of that. I'm so thankful for experience. that. <laughs> um, but I do remember um, one moment that you and I yeah. had Megan um, when I was holding Cal's body, but her her soul was not there. She was home, and I looked up and I saw you look at me, and we locked eyes, and you just nodded, and without a word, told me you loved me. And then you left. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think back to that moment often about how I did not know what God was going to do in those moments that we had shared together. Um, but I have a memory of seeing the way that you have loved us. And, and that is... a. Um, a grace that I believe that God has given to yeah. to us. Um, that, yeah, that moment of looking at you and uh, just wanting to acknowledge to you that you guys and like Kala in that in that twenty four forty eight hours had changed my life. Um, that the real presence of God was in that room. And I was so thankful to have experienced that, but also just so devastated to have that you had to, that you had, were walking that, um, I don't know the, the like gamut of emotions, right. Mm -hmm. The spectrum of it. And, uh, <clears throat> I am, um, When I left the room, you know, I, I walked out onto the main floor there and had this like moment with myself to kind of recompose a little bit. Um, and I mean, obviously the grief, the overwhelming grief, but the awe of our creator and how he had cared for you in that moment and how I had watched that. Um, I felt like the story that most know of Kala and her rescue. I had been a part of an intimate piece of it where I watched your story in it and you guys as parents 
um, loving her so much that you wanted her to be whole and you wanted her to be healed and you wanted, you wanted everything in your power for that to be here on earth. And when, when you knew what you couldn't, you did the hardest thing imaginable. I mean, not even imaginable, the hardest thing that is possible. And you, you didn't, you didn't say, how do I say this? You didn't just, it didn't just happen. You, you walked her there. Does that make sense? Like it wasn't just a decision made or something. It was a, you guys confidently knew that he was holding out his hands for her and you gave her hands to him. You, you, and I, I got to just the, the idea that I was witness to that. I mean, mm-hmm. like the I surren- have, the surrender wasn't passive. Yes. There you go. <clears throat> surrender was active and hopeful while being painful. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. And it was the most, without a question, the most intense thing, the most powerful thing. Mm. And, um, Ben, you had said, um, I believe this was in the following days, um, you know, she is more alive than any of us left here. And the thing that really was like, drives home this, this, it's not an idea. It's not just a belief that we hold. It's the absolute truth and knowledge that you said, Jesus is the only one I could ever leave my callow with. And it was this, I did that. I gave her to him. I didn't passively say goodbye I, I let or I, I surrendered her to him um, and these other quotes that I had read were like so good for me in those days following um, the one is and I did not know that in the middle of such pain and grief and loss that I would experience a joy and a peace that far surpassed surpassed human understanding the Lord would take the darkness and make it the place where I knew him more intimately and deeply than I had ever fathomed possible. My grief was his grief, and my joy was his joy. In my darkness, I knew him, and he knew me. In the midst of pain, I would not have chosen. He was real and undeniable and true. When life was not what I expected, where hope was not what I thought, he carved a space in my heart for him. And like that was so telling of what happened in my life. So even though you guys didn't really understand what you were asking me to do, and I didn't know what I was walking into... The way the spirit just took that moment, that entire, those, those two days, this, the entire walk since, everything that um, I've had such the honor to document for you guys since those days, everything has just created this longing in heaven in me and our family, longing for heaven in me and our family that we didn't realize that we didn't have, mm. um, you know. And like I said, I didn't know when to leave that day. Um, I so badly just wanted to do something to like, I'm watching this, this utter heartbreak and not being able to do anything. And um, there's nothing I'm capable to do. The only person that can give you peace is Jesus. And I, I just, I wanted to hug you and wrap you up and just love on you guys. And I knew that, that that's that's empty right now. And I'm so glad and so thankful to hear that you felt my heart when I walked out. Um, I mean, I had the deepest pain I've ever felt, but also the greatest awe I had ever experienced. And it was shaking me to my core. And I got out onto that main ICU floor and 
I just couldn't control my body. I was physically and emotionally. And then, you know, I walked out, out of those doors and I could see into the waiting room and I saw family and I thought if I walk out there, that's me telling them what has happened because they knew what I was there for. And I can't do that. Um, I can't be the one that delivers that news. Um, because I knew I wouldn't deliver it with the, what's not my place. And I didn't have the ability to really communicate, you know? Um, and so again, the, the children's staff, they just stepped up. Um, I was justifiably a little bit emotional in that moment and a little bit all over the place. Um, I had been, I had been, um, experienced something that at that point I still hadn't put words to. I didn't really understand what I experienced. I didn't realize like until I, like I said, until I got home and he and I decompressed it a little bit. I was just, I knew there was something happening in that room that I had never in my life. And it felt it in a way that I never felt. And, um, one of the nurses came up to me cause I was in a state that she was alarmed and felt that she needed to attend to me. And I was like, I just need a way out of here. Like, I just need a way out of this off of this floor that's not through that door because I needed to get home. I needed to be able to like, to navigate that piece of it. And then once I got home, you know, he and I, we just wept and we celebrated her homecoming and we processed through, you know, the, the words that like, like the, he put to the experience and, um, we just, as you say, we turned our pain into praise. Um, and it was not an easy thing to do. Um, but the beautiful thing that has come from that for our family is that now, um, it, it is an easier thing to do. You know what I mean? Like as we have practiced that and understood that and learned that, mm. um, and then another thing I have written here that you said was he was the one who rescued her when no one else could. And that was just like, that's what was happening in that room. And that was what I was feeling that physical, like, it, I just don't know how to even put words to it. I don't think there are words aside of heaven to describe the way that room, the air changed and just the feeling and knowing when that moment took place of you know, beeping and machines worrying and all these things. You guys knew before they knew, before the doctors came in to know. You know what I mean? You guys knew. And watching you guys know that and watching you guys mourn that and accept that and celebrate that simultaneously. And just, and then, you know, the doctors come in and they acknowledge what we all know at this point and, uh, it was just, it, uh, the word sacred isn't even enough anymore, but that's what it was. It was this mm. special, um, unexplainable experience to, to walk. I don't want to say walk through with you because I didn't walk through that with you. Um, I walked through that on the outside and just somehow to affirm you guys in that, like it was, it was beautifully gut-wrenching but incredible 
it, all the feelings in that one moment. And, um, yeah, just, hmm. uh, life changing. I mean, uh, and, uh, I had said, you know, following my time with you guys, I had written some stuff out to just try to like process through some things and whatnot. And one of the things I did was I wrote a letter to Kala. I don't know if you guys ever saw that or not, but I didn't have the, the honor of getting to spend time with Kala here. Um, I didn't just never had the opportunity. The, um, I hear the stories of everyone who did and I'm a little jealous, honestly. And I, um, wrote her a letter following it to tell her, um, you know, what an experience that time with her was and how thankful I am that she let me kind of, that I got to be there and to see her change lives the way she did. Um, and it's just such a gift and it's such a, a beautiful thing to know her that way. Um, she's just incredible. And the way that she changed the lives of everybody in that hospital and the way that she changed, that she's still changing lives. Like she's a rock star. I was just so thankful. So. Thank you for sharing that. I, uh, I mean, I know it's not easy to, it's not easy to unpack and it's not easy to just audibly, verbally allow that to be spoken mm-hmm. and and even as we think about the way we share this um we recognize the heaviness um and and i'm just i'm grateful you've not only allowed yourself to go there but you've allowed this rendering of the story right now i would say to make room for people to see that there's deeper things, mm-hmm. that there's more at stake. And at the same time, God, as we say all the time, the worst things, they're not the last things. Mm-hmm. And God can take the most gut-wrenching, painful things and bring beauty from them. Absolutely. And that's mm. been the experience and the you know, going into her celebration with you guys and watching the way you love her and celebrate her and the confetti cannon and all of the things that were so callous in that moment was such a a way of doing that, I think, of mm-hmm. um, taking what is what what the world, what the enemy has meant to be so awful. And saying we still glorify him because he's still worthy and he's mm-hmm. doing something really. And I think, Crystal, you wrote at one point about, you know, longing to switch places and then realizing Kella is doing everything we long for, you know. And I think that's the heart shift that people miss sometimes is this heaven is real. Heaven is what mm-hmm. we hope for. Heaven is what we wayfare toward. Like this isn't just these aren't just words. This isn't just like a. Um, fingers crossed kind of a thing. No, heaven is real and we want to be there. We mm-hmm. want to be. And so like, she's just, she's, she's beat us to the finish line and she's going to show us around one day. Cause yeah. she's going to, you know, and I, that's such a cool thing. And like, we have to believe it's not even, we have, we, we know, we know mm-hmm. it's right. Like I, we've always like, the word belief has always been one of those things that we're like, 
you know, I believe in God, like I believe the sky is blue. Like it's, it's not a belief. It's a, a knowledge. It's a truth. You know, it's I know truth. Jesus. Yeah. It's the truth. Yeah. Um, and through this experience and this, this time I've spent with you guys and the photos that I've just been so thankful and honored and happy to be able to take, I, I have been like ministered to and affirmed in that. Yes. Like I, I now can confidently like, and I don't know that years ago I would have said anything different, but I don't know if I would have really known it the way I know I wouldn't have known it the way I know it now. I know it now without a shadow of a doubt, you know, heaven is where we are heading. Heaven is what we long for. And it is our job to take as many people to recruit as much as we can. And we are excited to do that. And that is the thing that this friendship has grown in us um this relationship this time together just it it's so we're just so thankful to get to wayfair with you guys um yeah yeah what it's what it's given me what it's given me uh what's changed in my heart is i use this phrase now that i like to call belligerent hope um so at the celebration, right, you asked me to sing this song, This We Know, which lots of people know. Uh, it used to be saying with like a passive hope, like I'm just receiving that as truth as I'm singing it. And that day, um, I barely got the words out from the stage, but like you're singing it with a belligerent hope. This we know. Like in the midst of grief and tragedy, I'm standing there with you, looking you in the eye, leading worship for all these people, drawing them to the feet of Jesus. And in the midst of grief and pain, I'm saying, this we know. We will see the enemy run. And this we know. We will see the victory come and we hold on to every promise you ever made because Jesus, you are unfailing. There's a belligerent hope in that. Like you can't shake that. Uh, there's a song I've started leading recently that says, um, there's never been a love so great. He died so we could live. Then he rose up from that grave. Name another king like this. I dare you. Name another king like that. Try to, because there isn't one. And that's what has changed in us. Like there, there is just no doubt. There's no fear. There is a humble boldness, a belligerent hope that longs for Jesus and longs for heaven. And when you truly meet Jesus, like the other line that song says is the king is in the room. When you have that moment of the king is in the room, whoa, everything changes. Your whole life changes. And you just can't be the same anymore. And that's what, like as she's telling the story, that's what we're trying to communicate. There is no way you can go back. You have to be this way. Yeah, we we had moved right about that time um that summer we had moved from this air, the New, louisville new albany area to the cincinnati area and we are from there and we um have lifelong friends that we've had for years and we had moved from there about 10 years prior and so we've come back home and we're so excited we're gonna you know we don't have to meet new people we're gonna mesh right into our old community we're gonna have such good friends and we had only moved um within weeks mm -hmm. of um, this story. And uh, following that, everything has changed. Everything for us is different. And we would go into these times of hanging out with our friends. Um, 
And for the first few months, you know, the grief was very raw and the experience was very raw and fresh. And so we kind of attributed a lot of the disconnect we kind of felt at the time to where we're still, we're still kind of in that healing processing time frame and whatever reasons, whatever excuses we could give. And then we had that moment probably at the end of the year where we went, no, it's not working with our friends because we're not the same people they knew. Um, we, we have changed so much. We are like, it was a, I don't know how to even describe it. Yeah, I don't. I'm I don't not mean. as good with words as he is. So I'm just like, uh, it was a blank. <laughs> but it was such an experience and such a life change that we were just, we were almost rubbing people wrong because we couldn't understand this world where we have friends that are Christians that aren't wanting to do what we want to do. Like, how are you not wanting to just shout from the rooftops and wanting to just tell everybody you know and wanting to. And there's a line where that becomes like the crazy person on the corner I don't want to be there but I was like how are we not even like getting close to that you know and mm-hmm. well it was, it was an acknowledgement at the time that we had work to do that we had had these friends for so long and mm-hmm. um, there wasn't a hope instilled in their heart they knew Jesus but it wasn't like a daily longing for him and for heaven and which we had we we honestly that's what we had been feeling mm-hmm. prior it, and then yeah, the king was in the room. Mm-hmm. There's no going back. You mm-hmm. when you when you have that and you see that and you know that it's like, yeah, I can't, I can't. So now every conversation is intentionally shaped toward a longing for Jesus. Whenever we're with people, it's just what we do. It's not because we're trying to manipulate a conversation. It's just because that's authentically who we are. Yeah. And, and how thankful and excited! <laughs> like I'm just so glad that that's who we are. I just I hear that and I'm like, yes, I'm so thankful that's who we are. Yeah. And it was really hard. There were a lot of growing pains. Um, you know, we had a newborn following that and during quarantine, which didn't help anything. But we were seeing a lot of cracks and flaws in the way we wanted to raise our children and the decisions we were making for our kids and the community we had surrounded ourselves in. There, It wasn't lining up. And we finally had like that breakdown conversation of like, what isn't working here? Why, why are we struggling so hard to just live in the community that we know and love so well. And we had this moment of realizing he said it really well. When you can't link arms and go into battle with people, when you can't do the day to day, because you're not on the same mission, you're not on the same, the same journey, Mm -hmm. you're not wayfaring together to use that language. It, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's supposed to be hard because we need to bring them with us. And that's our, that's our work here. That's what we need to do. Um, but, it was just a very formative and changing season and and season. I don't like to say that because it's not ending. It's, it's, it's life now. Mm -hmm. It is life. And we excitedly like long for those things. And I mean, my hope is that it continues to just always be that outpouring, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that it's just an overflow of who we are and what conversations we have. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's an earnestness, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's, there's an expectancy Mm -hmm. that hopeful, eager, longing that I think God uses to frame all of our steps ahead, right? Like we, like you said, like we can't go back. Um, And with that desire comes that desire to make sure no one misses out on what is ahead. Mm -hmm. And I know for us, when we, when, when our prayer was, God, can you still use us? God, are you done with us? We're, 
we're praying and trusting that that you that your word is true that you are far from finished with us and that you you that we are not so broken that you can't work through us mm-hmm. and he answered those prayers i would say with the vision of the brave way home mm-hmm. right that our our longing i mean to i just the aim to call and equip fellow wayfarers fellow believers to deeper living, a deeper faith with eyes fixed on Jesus and hearts set on heaven. I know for us, you were some of the first people that we wanted to share that with because we felt like God was galvanizing what what the world needs from the church right mm-hmm. now is not just louder voices, but deeply passionate disciple makers that recognize that this is not home and that home is up ahead. And what we need to be doing is making sure everybody comes with us, mm. right? And thinking through that and praying through that, you were some of the first people that we were like, after we told our family, and our family is embracing all of this, we're like, we have a very short list of people that we must tell this to mm-hmm. um, so that they can embrace this language of wayfaring and um, because, yeah, it is, like we've said before, it's easy to sound like you're speaking a foreign language. And maybe, maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> right? right? And yes. so, like, I I can't help but think of that shared heartbeat in discipleship, that back to that fire in our bones, that cut from the same cloth, that desire to, the way God is woven together, that heartbeat of discipleship that desire to go deeper, it's reflected in your marriage. It's reflected in your family. It's reflected in your ministry. It's reflected in your lives. We're wayfaring together. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, when we were living here, you guys, you alluded to this in the very beginning, but, like, Ben and Shane were the kind of the connection point. Like, Crystal and I, we didn't see each other a lot. We weren't, we like you said, at Christmas parties here and there, and we were friends, but we weren't, spending a lot of time in that, in that, um, growing together sort of experience. And like, this is a very unique way for that to take place. And there has never been a lag. There's never been a a place where I feel like I don't know you guys deeply and intimately. And I think vice versa, it's just been this, like you said, Ben, God is taking something and he is just welding it. It is just solidified immediately i feel like in such a really amazing way that emboldens us because we we know you're on our team we know we have Mm -hmm. the same mission we know we're going to be doing this together and it's it's exciting um and we're we're just grateful we're thankful for like the two of you and the ministry that you've had in our lives and Mm -hmm. just the friendship that this offers us Mm -hmm. that we were missing out on living five minutes down the road for all those years and not getting to do it because just life and whatnot um but the priority now that this has taken, like now we live an hour and a half away and we're like, yeah, we'll stop by. Why not? You know, and it's kind of it's kind of wild. This that mental switch of when we've prioritized and realized that this is this is life or death. Like we talk mm-hmm. about that. We're like, I don't think people really understand that our mission, what we are called, the, the Great Commission, right, that what we are mm-hmm. called to do is not a frivolous thing we take care of on the side it is 
that is our calling. Oh, yeah. And it is life or death for people. It is not just a, you should go to church. It's a, do you, do you really grasp what this looks like? On like, you know, what the hope of heaven really is? And what that alternative of not having Jesus, not being with him forever, what that really, like, it's so, it's hard for us, especially working in the church sometimes, to not want to just take people by the shoulders and be like, do you get it? But that's when the, the person on the corner handing out flyers comes out. You're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, They're not always handing out flyers. Yeah. <laughs> I have been called all kinds of bad names with a guy, with a dude who had a bullhorn. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On yeah. my way to a lunch with a student that I was discipling, and I was, oh, goodness, that's a tangent. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, oh, goodness. Right. I'm like, I'm like, bro, like, I love Jesus and I am, I love the student that I'm leading in his walk with Jesus. And I don't want to be late for lunch trying to defend myself. Right. You've got a bullhorn yeah. telling me that I'm going to a really hot right. place. Right. You know, it was like, bro, where is this coming yeah, from? Yeah, right. Bro, that ain't it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I think though, like, like we're, as we're, we're, we're turning this corner, I mean, of, of that, that whole, that longing to, to dig deeper, right? I mean, we, and we talk all the time about how, you know, these these crucible moments that that force you to either cling tightly to Jesus or push him away, right? Mm -hmm. We need those reminders that God will meet you in the deepest, darkest places, mm -hmm. right? That those deep waters. And I know for us, that's a big piece of the Brave Way Home mm -hmm. is to point people's hearts to the fact that y when you run into the inevitable hard things mm -hmm. that are ahead of you. Mm -hmm. We want to do everything we can to put as many things in your backpack that prepare you to mm -hmm. hold fast to him instead of let go of him. Mm -hmm. And that longing to raise up, prayerfully raise up a movement of wayfaring disciples that recognizes the world does not need a bunch of believers on the shoreline afraid to get wet. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right. Um, those conversations have all come from this vision of the Brave Way Home. And so I think it's, I mean, it's good to maybe frame it this way. Like, how has the vision of the Brave Way Home resonated in your hearts? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll frame it this way, because it, I think it is hard for people to understand sometimes what... Uh, the term I'll use is reckless abandon, like what that really looks like and how that plays out. Because, I mean, I've been in ministry going on 20 years and even working with other ministers, when I talk about this way that I live and this way I trust, they think I'm a crazy person. <laughs> like, really? You just do that? Yeah, I just do that. Um, and so it is hard for people to comprehend because we don't like it. Like when, you know, when Jonah decided that he was done running, he was willing to die. He would say, throw me off the boat because everything is wrong. So just throw me off and I'll deal with whatever happens. And that's where he got to. And, you know, that type of living can be very lonely, uh, especially when you feel like no one else gets it. What I love about the vision of the Brave Way Home is that it puts unifying language around reckless abandon. It reminds people that we aren't alone in our longing for heaven and home. We aren't alone in our longing for Jesus. We're not alone in our trust for what God is calling to, no matter how radical it may seem. 
And that just unifies it. It emboldens you. And it, it gives you the power and ability to make decisions that maybe you wouldn't have made when you felt alone. And that's what I love about it. And what that does is it also emboldens people who are being called up to be disciples. It emboldens them to take those really scary steps. Where if you're 25 and you're after college and you're in, you're in your dream job and then one of us comes along and goes, hey, Jesus is calling you something bigger and you feel that. Well, when you're surrounded by people who love you and who have done it before you, you go, yeah, I'll quit and I'll step off and I hope there's water at the bottom of this cliff because I'm jumping. (laughs) And that's totally fine because we're there for you. I mean, we have somebody with us who did that, right? Um, Somebody on the board that does that, um, that left their job and decided to follow you as an intern. And like, that's a big deal because you see the fruit of it and it no longer becomes about achieving your personal goals or making a certain amount of money. It becomes about glorifying God and drawing people to his feet. And that changes, gosh, that changes everything. And so, yeah, for me, the, the language of the brave way home, sorry, I keep smacking stuff. Um, the language of the brave way home is unifying and emboldening and powerful. And it's, it, it, unifies the local church around the country to run with reckless abandon towards what God is calling us to as the church. That's, yeah. I mean, we're living that right now. So um, we're just jumping in both feet, complete reckless abandon for what God is doing. And there's an absolute peace in that. So. So we're hearing like how this perspective is just resonating. And I feel that like Mm -hmm. on a personal level, I know that, in the aftermath of how everything has changed in in my life, I just remember feeling like the shallows of my faith are not cutting it anymore. I have got to go deep. And the the encouragement that it is to find other hearts feeling those same things, Mm -hmm. listening to that same spirit, it resonates. It creates this confidence and it creates this passion and it creates such a hope of what we are walking to ahead because we have the same spirit moving in us propelling us and we've just chosen to pull up everything that's tying us down and go where he leads and there is such an encouragement in watching other people do that because it makes you feel like we're all being moved at the same time for the same purpose. And so that I feel in your hearts, that is some of why we are fellow wayfarers. When we think of that, it's immediate that you come to mind um, because we do see how God takes very difficult, very raw and very painful experiences. And he somehow with his presence in it, brings brings an intimacy uh-huh. that would never have been possible but it also brings a purpose for it that we're mm-hmm. not here stuck in this forever we're walking forward together and i think there is such a picture of the brave way home and that vision playing out in just our relationship mm-hmm. of how we some people when they see deep pain the, the fight or flight takes over mm-hmm. that instinct to protect yourself takes over and you step back, mm-hmm. but you guys have stepped in and that has been just a place of sacredness and a place of anointing. And I, mm-hmm. I do believe 
um, that as we are linking arms, we are walking forward to the same place mm-hmm. and the same Savior, the same hope, the same gospel, mm-hmm. the same home ahead. And so mm-hmm. um, we are so grateful for you. Oh, we love you. Oh, my goodness. I uh, It just makes me like... Okay, I love just listening to you. Okay, so I go, I'm just sitting. I mean, we're sharing mics right now for anyone listening, and I'm like, I'm sitting so close to you. And, and what people don't normally know is that Crystal normally has her eyes closed uh, for most of the time she's talking, but her eyes are open right now. I, I'm just telling you, I love being this close to you when you're speaking in such a, a way. But the words I keep hearing is like, there's a readiness. And there's a steadiness, mm-hmm. like wayfaring. This this is what moves this conversation and this mindset beyond grief journey, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, I know sometimes people will hear this and when we deal with hard things, we know when we invite other people to listen to these conversations, we are, we are well aware of the heaviness of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, right. that is our reality. Mm-hmm. But we're so fiercely committed to being a part of readying God's church that we're willing to enter into that heaviness and allow people to see that this this is way beyond grief. Mm -hmm. This is that recognition that we as the bride of Christ, we are to be ready. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm doing Bible study last night uh, with with Ezra and we're walking through Mark, the gospel of Mark and I mean, just the phrase, like we were talking about, like, be alert, be watchful, be alert, be watchful. Because we're like, when Jesus is answering questions of like, what's all going to go down and when's it all going to go down? And like, I'm sitting down with a 15 year old talking about like, okay, there's a lot of opinions that people have about this. But what I want you to walk away with is Jesus saying, be watchful for the son of man to return, be watchful for the return. And I'm like, don't skip don't miss, don't forget that phrase, because that will shape your faithfulness between here and however long God gives you, mm-hmm. right? There's there's a readiness, but from that readiness comes that steadiness of because our present reality is tethered to eternity. Mm-hmm. Well, we can walk through these things that may rattle and make the world nervous, mm-hmm. But the creator of the universe is not wringing his hands over anything that is unfolding right now. Mm -hmm. He's not sitting in a corner somewhere being like, oh, I did not see that coming. (laughs) What am I going to do now? Mm -hmm. Like he's not rattled. He's not he's not unnerved. And that should give us a steadiness that even Mm -hmm. though we walk through really hard things, number one, that's not all there is. Right. We embrace the good and the joy and the beautiful that God brings through his creation and the people he places with us. Mm-hmm. But they are all to point our hearts to the world he's made for us That's right. when we are all together. And just as it says, like in Revelation, right? That mm-hmm. like when he is among his people and they are ready to say, I am among the one who made me, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, I'm about ready to come out of my skin. <laughs> yes. But I, I love it. I, I, that. That is the heartbeat. And that's what I think so much of this, it moves it away from just walking in and through grief. It right. moves it to how do we faithfully mm-hmm. follow Jesus, even when we're fumbling through what that looks like, learning how to live in grace. How do we hold fast to the truth that we've been taught, mm-hmm. lock arms with the rest of the body of Christ, and make sure that we are remembering that everybody is a necessary and equal part of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah, there's a there are two stories that I I like to point out a lot in the midst of conversations like this, like disciple making conversations or even when I'm leading worship. Um, but one of them, you know, history matters and the stories from the history of the church matter. And so when we read the New Testament, we see that uh, the disciples, the apostles, the people who were starting the new church when they would be in prison for their faith, they were steady and they were able in the midst of prison and not like American prison where you can play football and work out, but like Middle Eastern prison where it's dark and there are rats and you're probably going to die a disease. They're singing praise loudly and boldly, uh, joyfully in the midst of that pain. And that that should give us an emboldened hope that no matter what, they were steady in their faith in Jesus and they held on tightly to Jesus and didn't allow their circumstances to dictate their reactions. They just lived. It's almost like when Jesus said to abide, abide, right. abide, yeah. abide, remain in me, remain yeah. in me, like mm-hmm. over and, and that's over what they and did, over again. Right? Yeah. And the other thing I look at is uh, the conversation with the rich young ruler that we, that churches preach on all the time. But what I love about it is he's not telling the rich young ruler to sell all his stuff because wealth is bad. He's telling him to sell all his stuff because you're trusting it instead of trusting me. So stop relying on that for your comfort, peace, and protection and start relying on me for those things. And the only way that you can do that, rich young ruler, is getting rid of all your stuff. It's just a shift in perspective. Like I'm reading in 1 Corinthians this morning about how the promise of resurrection Mm -hmm. gives us so much courage to endure, be steady in the face of no matter what, like in like Paul saying, what's what point is there of, of the people fighting beasts in Ephesus? Why do I face death daily? It is because I have such an inheritance, such a hope to walk toward that this is not wasted. It is mm-hmm. not purposeless, mm-hmm. but it is not forever. Yeah. 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 And these are the these are the deep waters we're talking about, right? Because I think right at the beginning, the justification portion of becoming a Christian and following Jesus, right? There's a belief section. We believe Jesus is who he says he is, that he is divine, that he died on the cross. He rose three days later. We believe that. That's the beginning. That's the starting line. And then those deep waters are fully trusting him with every single step and knowing that his promises are sure that our longing for heaven has a landing spot, that these are the deep places. And that's like, I, I, we're using big church words, but this, was the, this is sanctification. This is learning more and more how to trust Jesus, how to be shaped to be more and more like him so that others can be brought in to do the same. That is the deep places. And that's the hard parts. That's the part where like God is taking a sanding block and he's buffing all that junk out of you to make you pure and holy and more like him. Like that is where it becomes painful and amazing uh, and joy filled. <laughs> also where the friendships and the community yes. and the, the people who are standing next to you are, are vital. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this where you don't, you know, the, this world is going to look at us funny. This world is going to fight against us. We are, we are fighting this battle mm-hmm. and you don't go into battle unless you know the people on either side of you will have your back if something happens. And so when we go into those deep waters individually, however that works, right? Mm-hmm. I, ha- I I'm down. Something's happening in my life and I'm, I'm unable right now. The people on either side of me close the gap and fight for me until I'm back. And that's why it's so vital and so important to have these relationships and to be able to walk 
alongside of friends like you guys and to wayfare together. And that's why the Brave Way Home, this, this ministry has been just so informative of who we are now because yeah. we desire to be that for people because we have that in people and mm-hmm. we know how important that is and how why raise like, why helping people to become disciples why helping people grow in that is so important absolutely yeah it's like again i love history but you look at like roman battle formations that's the whole function of it right there's you have a shield in your left hand and you have your your weapon in your right and you stand and you know exactly what the person next to you is going to do and if someone goes down they know how to fill the gap get that guy out and heal him so that he can get back into battle like we know exactly what we're doing and we know exactly what our goal is and we know what you're going to do in the midst of the battle and you know what I'm going to do in the midst of the battle and we can fully trust exactly what's going to happen and like again that's the deep waters that's going together where we go we go together right you don't go alone and that's what's so powerful about this language of being wayfarers together is i'm no longer alone oh and there's and i was just going to say there's just such a hope in that you are unified in life and you are unified Mm -hmm. in death we know where we are going we Mm -hmm. know that we go together and there's just such a beauty that God builds in the yes. knowledge, the shared knowledge and the shared hope of that. Mm-hmm. Especially when the world looks at you like you're crazy mm-hmm. because you're you're hopeful when you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have joy and peace when it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to know that. Well, I mean, I know I look crazy, but I don't look crazy to you. Yeah. Like you guys get my heart. You yeah. understand where I'm at. And that emboldens me to go to the people who do think I look crazy and say, OK, let's talk about that. Right. Because, yeah. well, I mean, wouldn't you say that the way... The way one chooses to suffer carries the potential to give the clearest glimpses of the gospel at oh work in their life. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, because it makes no sense. Right. Without the promises that pull us forward. Right. right. Nothing. I mean, we have said yeah. specifically lately in our lives, there's been a little bit of chaos. And we have said so many times that none of this makes sense without the gospel. None of this makes sense without our hearts on heaven. None of this does. And we're, we struggle through this. It's been hard, but we mm-hmm. also, I think, have an excitement and hope of what this looks like to somebody, that God is using this in a way that will, somebody can look at this and be like, Shane and Megan have been homeless for a long time <laughs> and they're, <laughs> yeah. they're still hanging in. Like, you know, and I'm just, I'm, we're, we're excited to know that God will waste none of this. He will use all of this in mm-hmm. some fashion, you know, and we're, we're hopeful about that. And I, we talk a lot about like, if we didn't have the hope of heaven, oh my word, how no. broken we yeah. would be, not just because we wouldn't know Jesus, but also like mm-hmm. the fight you fight becomes not worth fighting, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're hurt and your things are heavy and it's not fun. And you start to wonder, like, then why? Why? Well, I know why. I confidently know why. Mm-hmm. I don't just believe and think and hope why. I know why we're fighting what we're fighting. And I know why we're striving and moving forward, mm-hmm. always uh, moving forward in that. And, I, and uh, yeah. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, our marriage would probably, if it weren't a marriage built on godly principles and a longing for Jesus, it would have never endured the chaos we've been. There's no way. There's not a chance on earth. By every statistical category in American marriage, we should not be together anymore <laughs> because of the journey we've had to endure. And uh, But 
our joy, especially in our marriage, our joy has never been in question. Um, no matter what our situation is, whether it's being in one bedroom in my parents' little tiny house or whether it's moving across the country to live somewhere where we know no one, whatever that is, like the, the joy has never been stripped. And it does look like craziness to people. I've been asked recently, like, why can't you just take a normal job and stop moving? And I'm like, dude, that's not an option. Like, you don't understand the calling. Like, And I hear you. I hear you caring about me. But if you understood the calling God has put on my life, like that isn't an option for me. Like I, I have to go where he leads. And if that means I'm a nomad till I die, then I'm a nomad till I die. Like that's totally well, that, fine. And it makes me like one of the questions I was just going to ask as we kind of maybe, I mean, somehow, some way land this, you know, like, <laughs> you because I mean, yeah, obviously the longest but, podcast but in like the history the, of podcasts. The, yeah. We're probably looking at a part one and part two. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, so everybody can hang on for the ride. But like, I was just going to ask how this plays out practically mm-hmm. in your life. And you kind of in one way just answered it before mm-hmm. I even asked it. Like, yeah. uh, but I, I think that is a good, a good space to kind of lean into is like, we, we don't, we don't want to just unpack all this and not give practical right. yeah. steps of how does this play out in your marriage? How does this play out in your parenting? Mm-hmm. How does this play out when you're interacting with not just people you work with, but people that you live next to like mm-hmm. people you encounter in a store like you know like well how can i go deep when i just saw them at the you know sh- that's the cashier mm-hmm. you know it's like but we're we are to be bringing joy and breathing life into all the moments that are entrusted to our care yeah right every moment is a gift mm-hmm. every moment is a gift mm-hmm. and if we are navigating life through that lens what are what are maybe some practical things that you find yourself <clears throat> that God is using you in, in those spaces? Uh, the, the first place I can talk about is like navigating the will of God and talking people through that, because that's like this really weird, like ethereal thing, like, oh, the will of God, and people don't really understand it. And I know in our current season, one of the places we are having conversations with people a lot is trying to help them understand how we are discerning what God is doing in our life. Because, you know, God doesn't necessarily audibly talk to us. He's not going, hey, dum-dum, you need to quit doing what you're doing. That's not what he's doing. Uh, But God's provision is very real. And so if you're trying to navigate something God is leading you to, and he is just not providing a way. He's just saying there is every roadblock is happening. The things you're trying to do aren't working. Uh, Like in our case, the houses you're trying to buy, which you're aggressively offering on multiple times over and over again. It's just a no for no reason. God's probably closing that door, man. And uh, you don't have to know what's on the other side of that. You just have to know he's saying no. And or that's where opposite of that. Yeah. You have to be willing to say yes. Yeah. And that's the other side of what, what, what you're talking about is mm-hmm. like being able to say, well, that's what I wanted to do, but mm-hmm. that's not what I'm getting to do. Yeah. But that means that this will be bigger than what I can imagine. Mm-hmm. And I think um, a more practical way as far as like how this manifests in our lives is it. I don't want to say we don't have to try to do these things, but when we have fully surrendered and we have fully. And there are there are days where I feel like we're not doing that as well and we can feel oh, that yeah. tension, you know. And then the days where we 
are in prayer and in the word and really like, okay, God, yeah, I'm giving this all to you. I really, truly am surrendering. It's not easy, right? Mm -hmm. It's not easy to just talk to the person from the grocery store necessarily. But then again, it is easy to just be joyful with that person and to just say, oh my gosh, hey, hi. And like, it's not a, I feel like sometimes people who don't understand it, hear us talk Mm -hmm. and are like, what are you doing? You know? And it's like, it's not even that I'm doing it. It's just, I hope and pray that it's an overflow of who I am. Yeah. It's an overflow of the spirit in my heart and that it's the fruit of the spirit to a degree that I am hopefully just going and living my life in a way that he is evident in everything I do. Mm -hmm. And, um, in one of the earlier episodes, you had said something about how every decision we make is an opportunity to kind of show the sovereignty of scripture in our lives. Like how much do we really believe that the Bible is true and what that God is who he says he is. Every decision points to how much we really believe that. And so it's like every moment is a gift. Every moment you have that opportunity to just, okay, Mm -hmm. if this is, you know, this is rubber meets the road. This is who I am. This is what I want. It becomes, it becomes who you are. It's no longer a choice I'm having to make in the, well, I need to be kind. I need to be gentle. I need to be I just am those things. And there are days where I'm not those things as well as I want to be. And those are the days that I know that I didn't make getting in front of him my first priority. I didn't make that something that I did right away. I didn't, you know, I wasn't in prayer. I wasn't, I'm not seeking him out. Those are those days that I, I find myself going, hmm. As long as I'm doing that, as long as I am pursuing Jesus passionately, mm-hmm. those practical applications of living this life i'm not going to say they become they come naturally because shane is a super introvert most of the time and so he's never going to be the person who just walks up to the person at the grocery store and says no hi how are you that's a nightmare (laughs) scenario for me that's what i was going to say she's great at that she'll sit in line at the grocery store and like talk to the person behind us and the cashier like hey i hope you're having a great day by the time i leave it's a party and we're all planning to get together later and eating what you just bought and we're going to and I'm trying to figure out how to check check out with as little conversation as possible. Like, I don't want to talk to anyone. Um, but, you know, she's really good at that. And it does bring joy. You can see the joy in people's lives. That's why I always make her go with me. I don't go by myself. I don't do grocery stores. But, it's not good for me to no. be left unattended at a grocery store either. <laughs> yeah, I don't, for a whole host of reasons. No, people are going to think I, I don't like anyone if they see no, me. No, that's not entirely store. true. Uh, but uh, the place I see it most is in parenting. Like, yes, how does it manifest in parenting? Like, for me, when I know I'm living surrendered and I'm in, I'm trusting Jesus and I'm waking up, like you said, putting him in front of me every day and surrendering my day to him, I'm a lot more patient as a parent because our children are bananas. So, like... <laughs> in their defense, they're two and five. Well, that's true. <laughs> but they're bananas. They're supposed to be a little bananas. And our five-year-old is brilliant. And she is smarter than me. And so she like challenges me and makes me have to consider my words. And like she's able to point out the flaws in my arguments. And that makes me crazy. (laughs) And on days where I haven't aligned myself with God's calling on my life and I'm trusting him fully, I can see myself being impatient with her and getting angry faster. And, um, but the days where I'm fully in alignment and I'm trusting God completely and I've surrendered my day to him, I'm more, um, able to respond to her chaos Mm -hmm. by getting on her level and having a conversation with her. And when I'm not, I'm more like demanding of her and parenting at her. I mean, we can feel like our day to day 
it, it's pretty obvious where there's tension, when yeah. there's tension and where it is. And the why always points back almost every single time to where did we center our hearts? Mm -hmm. Are we are we focusing on him before we focusing on them? You know, mm -hmm. um, and whatever that circumstance is. And so when people get a little um, intimidated by this idea of just sharing the gospel with somebody or, you know, or by. I don't know, parenting differently mm -hmm. or whatever the circumstances would be, the intimidation that comes with that sometimes, especially for somebody who's a new believer and they're being told, you know, it's your job now. Here you go. Go talk to all the people, you know. Um, it's one of those things that I, I feel like it's really, I think it's hard to understand it, honestly, until you really know it and you experience it probably. But it's the kind of thing that you, you know, God provides that the spirit, right? The Holy mm -hmm. Spirit is a gift to us for those things. And when we are longing for that and we are studying that and we are growing that desire to be mm -hmm. fruitful in that, the fruit of the spirit in our hearts, like that's the kind of thing that it, it kind of takes over to a degree. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, like I remember the very first time it was literally when we first moved here mm -hmm. and there was an event at the church and I didn't, I didn't know a soul. And someone was like, well, you're going to volunteer here because I need somebody. And I was like, well, I'm married to staff, so that's what I'm going to do because I'm a team player. <laughs> and somebody random who wasn't a part of the event, somebody who was not even like just literally off the street walked in and kneeled down at the table I was sitting at and like put his head here. And he said, so tell me about Jesus. And I was like, I think I like blacked out for a second because I was like, I've never done this. And I'm sitting next to someone, a friend of ours that we all know that, um, She's like, have fun, you know, at the, <laughs> at the time I didn't know her, but I was like, oh no, you know, and I just kind of started to talk and I'm not eloquent with words. Wait, I mean, I, you can hear that. Like I'm, <laughs> I stumble and fumble a lot, but I'm like actively praying. Okay, God, don't let me, don't let me mess this up, you know? And I even wasn't honestly spiritually mature at that point. Like mm -hmm. I was, I'm, and I still, I'm, I have so much growth. I, I know that, like, that, that I will never peak and I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> but in that moment far from it. And, um, I just told him what I knew and I shared who Jesus is and like the fundamental truths of he lived, he died, he rose again. Mm -hmm. Um, I got the basics down mm -hmm. and I knew that and I just loved on him. And I think that's what it came down to was you don't have to be extroverted. You don't have to be, uh, Shane is so biblically wise, you know, Ben, you're just crystal. You too. Like you guys just you know, all the biblical knowledge. I don't have that, especially not then. I, I didn't have that at all. And I'm, I realized quickly, all I have to do is make sure he knows how to like who Jesus is. And I can help him kind of encounter that and, you know, walk the road in Romans <laughs> and like get him to that point. But also as long as he knows that he is loved he is loved beyond any comprehension. He is loved beyond measure. That's it, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you're in these situations and you find yourself as somebody who's maybe trying to figure out, well, how do I do this? Because, like, listening to you guys talk can be like, oh, of course, you're really good at that, you know? All these <laughs> and it's like, it's just a matter of trusting, trusting him, surrendering your life to him, trusting him and surrendering your life to him. Because in that, in that mm -hmm. your your ability to just love people and point to him through that, I I'm, I don't want to say like. Well, it's in surrender. God imparts His wisdom yeah. on you, so it's not about 
I'm going to use my lived experiences to now right. know how to navigate this moment because that's not what it, that's never helpful. Right. And we use that a lot culturally. Well, lived experience is truth, and what it, that's not helpful. Well, it's God's wisdom we are longing for. Right. And so when you come into these, like that guy comes up to talk to you, well, you don't have any lived experience to do what you did. All you have is a, okay, I'm in the moment, God. Here it is. Can mm-hmm. you give me some wisdom here mm-hmm. to speak? And He starts speaking through you. And so, yeah, all of it, it's not about, well, I have, I don't have enough experience or I don't have mm-hmm. enough moment. It's not about that. It's I don't about know my trust. Bible well enough. I, yeah. don't, I think about another friend of ours who wrote, walked a very, very, very broken road, met Jesus. And you think those first few days, weeks, months, maybe years, he's, he's never, ever done this. And now suddenly he is. Somebody comes to him. It's as simple as saying, that's who I was and this is who I am. Yeah. And there mm-hmm. it is. I mean, that's, that's the that's what you do. You don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily be able to recite scripture, although we want that. You know, you want scripture written on your heart. But in those times where you don't have it yet and you're not confident in that, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of showing somebody that was Jesus, before I knew Jesus. This is the life I lived. Yep. And it doesn't have to be some crazy testimony. I don't have to have lived some crazy life. Mm-hmm. But to be able to say, now I have a hope in heaven and I have a longing for heaven and I have a love like no other, like those are just the simple truths that you don't need to be a scholar or anything of that yeah. nature. It's just mm-hmm. simply, he is who he says he is. And my life represents that. Mm-hmm. Be faithful with the moments entrusted mm-hmm. to your care That's yeah. right. with the people in front of you. That's right. Amen yeah. to that. That's right. Hey, this has been so good. Yeah. We're so thankful for you guys. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Thank Um, you, guys. We are so grateful that you've chosen to kind of step into this thing, but also the way that you are wayfaring with us because you've not just chosen to enter in. You've stayed present. So Team Woods loves you. Mm -hmm.